Hello there. Well, I am so excited because today uh, my my brand new song, Three, has officially been released into the wild. And uh, as you may have guessed, uh, Three belongs to my Atlas series, which in this particular chapter is inspired by the, the nine Enneagram types. And this song in particular is inspired by the Enneagram Type 3. You guys are awesome. Uh, thank you so much for the feedback for uh, the Super Blue Blood Moon uh, piece of music that came out as a surprise uh, a few days ago. Uh, it means so much to get to share that with you guys, and um, I had a lot of fun working on that. Uh, if you are unfamiliar, the last episode of the podcast uh, details the the making of that uh, January 31, 2018 Super Blue Blood Moon song, which was, of course, inspired by the the Super Blue Blood Moon, and uh, and and that song belongs to my astronomy series which are are songs inspired by upcoming astronomical events so uh thank you so much it really means a lot to get to share that with you guys and i am so excited to finally get to take the 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 wraps off of my enneagram type 3 song before we jump in and listen to three, I would love to have my knowledgeable friend, Chris Hewart, uh, give us a little bit of an overview of what the Enneagram Type 3 looks like. And um, if you're unfamiliar, Chris Hewart is uh, an incredible author of a book called The Sacred Enneagram. And um, if you are interested in the Enneagram at all, either as a first step or as somebody that has read every book there is to read about the Enneagram, um, I cannot recommend the book highly enough. Chris is how I know anything about the Enneagram and uh, was my was my starting point. And I think that this book is so beautiful and uh, I hope that you will consider taking a look. So it is available anywhere books are sold. Um, and again, it's called The Sacred Enneagram uh, by Chris Hewartz. Chris, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast again. It, it is uh, so helpful and uh, meaningful to me and to, I think, uh, the, the folks that are listening to uh, to get not only a refresher on each of these types, but to, to dive in deeper and, and get a greater understanding of the motivations and the, the way in which uh, each of these nine types see the world. So thank you so much. Um, would you mind giving, uh, giving us an, a brief overview of, of who the Enneagram type threes are in the world? Sure. So this will this will be fun. Um, I, I think everybody in their lives has someone who's dominant in type three because everybody needs someone who sort of adds value to their lives, to, to the work that they're doing, to, to sort of help them see their significance and, 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 and draw that significance forward. Um, the three is is one of the, the misunderstood types of the Enneagram. And um, that that creates a little bit of curiosity for the rest of us towards them. But that also creates a little bit of, of loneliness um, in their own hearts. The three is, is sometimes called the achiever or, or the performer. And, and this is really because threes are, are driven. These guys and these ladies are, are efficient. They're, they're capable of, of accomplishing what may seem like unrealistic goals for the rest of us. Um, they have this, this incredible drive for self-perfection projects. And, and so they love to just sort of make themselves better in, in every way. And, and it's really one of the ways that, that, that they care for themselves. Uh, you know, it surprises us. They're, they're, they're sometimes understatedly self-assured. They're understatedly self-confident. And, and we see that. But even on the underside of that self-assuredness, they're, they're, they're sometimes doubting themselves, which causes them to continue to drive harder, to move faster, to, to reach and, and attain for more. 
they're they're in tremendous need of affirmation and admiration and and that's all right because they're actually admirable it, when when threes are are rooted in their sense of self um we'll, we'll follow them anywhere right but this comes from from also this need to, to differentiate themselves from others and and they do that through a variety of ways so one of the ways that they do that is is through image consciousness and and this isn't sort of pandering to to their to their fixation of vanity, no, their, their, their image consciousness is, is really how they relate to all kinds of people. And, and this is one of the gifts that the threes brings is their capacity to um, find connections, to, to find connections with, with incredibly diverse groups, incredibly diverse conversation partners, and, and, and for those connections to actually be authentic, for those connections to actually have some sort of practical, pragmatic sort of force behind them. Look, all types can be can be um, good and, and, and capable leaders, but man, threes are, are natural born leaders and, and they will surprising themselves, find themselves sort of being placed in, 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 in positions with, with lots of, of opportunity, with lots of responsibility. The thing about the three though, is that they, they sometimes lead from behind and, and this is a tactic. They, they have this incredible vision for the long haul. They have this incredible vision of the end game and, and they know how to work with the process to get to where they're going. One of the beautiful ways that they do that though is they include us and, and they let us be part of that journey. And in fact, a lot of times they even let us take credit for some of the things that they've sort of orchestrated behind the scenes. Um, sometimes we're surprised at how competitive the threes are. They're, they're, they're quietly competitive, um, but, but this competition really comes from this desire to be the best the best that they can be, the best of who they are. And they do this because they really need to sort of feel the love that they think that they've lost. They're, they're incredibly relatable. Um, they can be incredibly focused, charming. They, they, they can be incredibly loving when they're connected to their heart. And the truth is, is they can be incredibly sincere. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, as you know, I happen to be married to an Enneagram type three. So everything you said, I can completely attest to as I uh, get the privilege and, and the great honor of, of getting a front row seat and sharing a life and partnering up with, with this incredible human being that I get to, uh, get to call my wife. So of course that gives me this this massive advantage uh, as a case study for uh, for writing this song. Uh, we've been together for uh, coming up on eighteen years now. Uh, we've been married for eight of those years and, and and dated for a very very long time 10, 10 solid years. And um, so I've shared more of my life with my wife uh, than I have lived without my wife. So that is such a such an awesome thing. So as I was writing this song, uh, not only was it really helpful to have somebody that identifies as a type three to be able to uh, kind of run ideas by, but uh, it, it was it was incredibly difficult too, uh, because of course, as I'm writing each of these songs, and this is, this is something that I probably have talked about in the other episodes, it is so important to me that these are nine stories of redemption. Like that is, that is the, that is the rule that is kind of the law of this, this project. And uh, the Enneagram talks, a whole lot about the brokenness of each type. And I have no interest in making people feel embarrassed or um, uh, bringing shame to anybody through these songs. So so I aim to be as sensitive as I possibly can and to uh, to, to treat the language of the Enneagram and uh, every type as, as carefully and uh, thoughtfully as I possibly can. Uh, but to live in a house with the, with the type that you're writing about is it definitely poses some challenges because, of course, there are a lot of layers 
lyrics and a lot of ideas that I'm that I'm trying out and needing to to kind of sing out loud in order to to feel if they're right or not, and uh, that's difficult to do um, when uh, when when you're singing about the the type that you happen to live with. So there was a lot of me putting my headphones on and and working quietly. <laughs> uh, but another thing that's really hard was uh, I obviously I know my wife so well and uh, I know her deeply and she knows me deeply and uh, so I, I wanted to. Of course, write this song that honors her, but I also wanted to make sure that the song wasn't just about her; that it was also um, including the, the, you know, the entirety of the the Enneagram Type Threes. That's something that I'm finding with each of these songs so far. When when there's a really significant person in my life that happens to be the type that I'm writing about, um, of course, I have them in my heart while I'm writing this song, and uh, uh, so I have to kind of keep checking myself to make sure that this this song is. Uh, not only honors them, but also hopefully would honor honor the rest of their type as well. All that together, it was it was both incredibly helpful to have uh, the ear of a three uh, constantly hearing hearing the, the the thing that I'm working on. But at the same time, um, I just wanted to be as fragile and careful as I possibly could uh, with this song. Anyway, so so Chris, can you give us a little bit more insight into the motivation of the Enneagram Type Three? Can you uh, can you talk a little bit about um, the the ways in which the the threes see the world and um, how they how they see themselves in it? Sure. So. So threes are, are are really motivated um, by this their their sense of, of value and 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 sadly this this should really elicit compassion from from all of us for our friends who are dominant type three. Sadly, folks who are dominant type three's basic fear is is that they're actually worthless that they don't have inherent value. And of course, we know this is ridiculous because everything the three does, everything the three touches, every relationship that the three is a part of adds value to it. it it's, it's as if they can't help but sort of hone that and bring it forward. Well, well, this value has a lot to do with the three's sense of worth. And so things that are worthwhile are, are what threes give themselves to. But this is a, a compensation tactic. This is an a way of dealing with with their ache and, and with their pain of feeling worthless, and, and so what happens here is is you'll see this: the three, the six, and the nine are, are called the anchor points or the revolutionary types of of the enneagram, and this is because the three, the six, and the nine sit right in the middle of their intelligence center. Now the intelligence centers, right, are are these three places around the circle of the enneagram where we realize that. Our primary mode of perceiving the world is either in our instincts or our body, and this is for eights, nines, and ones, in our hearts or our feelings, this is for the, the twos, the threes, and the fours, or in our thoughts or our minds, and this is for the fives, the six, and the sevens. And so the three, right there in the heart center, has its wings, which are the numbers on either side of it, and the wings of the three are the two and the four. And what you'll notice if you look at the drawing of the Enneagram is that the wings are also in the heart center. And this means as the three is squarely in the middle of the heart center, the, the three doesn't have a wing outside that center. And in a sense, it, it causes the three's heart to be unaccountable to itself. Now, this is why we call them the anchor points or the revolutionary types, because they're, they're, they are squarely the type of their center. But what it ironically causes is, is is a painful disconnect from their center and so of all the types in the enneagram it's often said that type three is the most disconnected from their own heart and that's because right to one wing the two this is the most heart 
forward, the, the warmest, most nurturing of all the Enneagram types. And to the other side of it, the type four, this is sometimes the most withdrawn, pain-filled heart of all the types. The three look at, at these two types in their heart and, and doesn't know what to do with all that emotional drama, so it steps back. And in stepping back, it, it begins to distrust their own heart. Now, this distrust of their own heart of the three comes from the, the so-called childhood wound. And, and the childhood wound for the three is, is, is really a, a painful one to explore because it, it sort of gets to the experience that the threes really experienced love through affirmation, through recognition. And they needed to experience love as something outside themselves because they were disconnected inside themselves from their heart. But look, threes are, are, are smarter than that. They can be so self-aware that when they look at the pain of the disconnect from their heart and they begin to explore this childhood wound, they begin to realize they've been chasing love the wrong way. That for most of their lives, they felt loved when they've been seen. And so to be seen is what drives them. At the end of the day, though, they know being seen isn't love. And, and so it continues to, to sort of create more pain, more ache, more isolation within. So when the, the three looks at their childhood, when the three looks at this, this ache of, of needing to be recognized, needing to be validated, needing to be rewarded as, as a proxy for love, what, what typically is also an experience of the three then is they attach to their nurturing caregiver. And their nurturing caregiver is the one who, who loves them with their heart. And, and what happens in this attachment to that nurturing care is, is the three lets someone else nurture them because the three somehow thinks they're incapable of self-nurture because the three doesn't know how to love themselves. And, and so this attachment to sort of the nurturing caregiver leads to sort of a, a, an ability for the three to self-nurture through other things than real or authentic or, or real intimate connections in, in their primary relationships. Now, when they can connect to those relationships, those relationships actually become, again, just just filled with, with the affirmation of how they ascribe worth and value to the person that they see. And this is because they, they always wanted to be seen their whole life. It's just that ache of their emptiness though. My heart, I don't know what it truly is. I, I don't truly trust it. I, I don't know how to truly feel it. So if I can feel it in the embrace of someone else and I ascribe value to that person and let them nurture me, then that's how I start, or at least that's how I think I start to find my way home. Now, what what happens to a lot of threes is is, is they experience a lot of stress in this and they, and they begin to stress themselves out by overextending themselves to do more than is humanly possible and to be the best at what it is that they do. And this is even true in, in how they, they, they image and effort their relationships. If I can truly love my partner, if I can truly love my, my community, if I can truly love my children, it, it doesn't become a competition. It doesn't become something else that they're trying to perform or achieve in, but it becomes a way for them to actually sort of find their way back to their heart. And, and this is one of the ways that they, they, they really then begin to experience love for what love is, not the sort of proxy externalization of, of what they hope love might be. 
Man, a- absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much to Chris for uh, for for spending time walking through uh, who who the Enneagram Type Three is. Uh, so let's let's listen to the song. I I'm so excited to show you this. And if you uh, yourself happen to identify as an Enneagram Type Three, uh, I so hope that this is uh, serves as some sort of anthem and and speaks at least truthfully about the beauty and um, the incredible incredible person that you are. Uh, so I hope it does you a little bit of justice. Uh, Again, this is called Three and, uh, of course, inspired by Enneagram Type Threes. I only want what's real 
display with an asterisk worthy of love anyway so when I sat down to write this song, uh, the original idea I had was this was going to be like my biggest, most uh, most uh, complex, most overachieving song <laughs> I could imagine. I I even played around with the idea of of trying to hire like a local orchestra of fifty pieces or more and just kind of go as as large as humanly possible. I just thought originally that you know the achiever kind of pointing to the caricature. Uh, this song should be. Completely massive. It should be. Uh, it, it should have thirty different parts, and it should be extremely long, and uh, have every instrument you can imagine kind of tossed in. But as you uh, as you probably noticed, it's like the exact opposite of that. I ended up going in a direction that was really intimate and vulnerable, and uh, there's no click track. And uh, I just wanted it to be as simple and as uh, heart forward as possible, where it centers completely around the lyrics. And uh, and the reason for that is because the, the 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 more I learned about the the type three, the more I realized that they can uh, get to this point where they recognize the value uh, that they are, that they bring to the world. Uh, and, and so it, it kind of connects to, uh, to the lyrics at the end of the song. I only want words for you I set aside the highlight reel I leave my greatest failures on display with an asterisk worthy of love anyway worthy of love anyway that that is such a, a letting go and um, I believe that that integrated perspective from the three uh, it just made sense that the production needed to kind of follow suit so uh, the song was recorded live uh, the piano and vocal were recorded together as I mentioned there is no click track so the tempo is sort of ebbing and flowing as the song moves on and um, and it's just really bare so when I uh, realized that this song needed to kind of be that opposite uh, opposite direction of the of the grandiose uh, version I was originally going to write I put up two words uh, in my mind that were sort of the the, the rules or the the litmus test for everything that I was writing and adding to the song. Uh, the first word was restraint, and the second was vulnerability. So every lyric, every uh, production choice, and, and every layer uh, kind of needed to fit within those parameters. So uh, obviously the, the result is a, a very vulnerable and intimate and kind of bare, uh, bare song, which I think um, as a three in, in their healthiest space, I think that there is this, uh, this realization that they're, they're achieving and their success is incredible and um, they should be so proud of that, but it, they, it is not essential to uh, the value of who they are. And so I was trying to echo that in not only the lyrics, but in every, every choice I made in writing the song. And you might have noticed uh, there's actually no chorus in this song. Uh, it's it's kind of a, it's written in three verses, which uh, of course is an intentional uh, three nod to the to, to the type. Uh, and and the reason for that was I I thought it didn't need like this dramatic moment. It needed um, just three self realizations that they are worthy of love anyway. So that was a, that was another guiding light through uh, the writing of this song. 
<laughs> and it's completely not lost on me that um, this direction of being incredibly simple and straightforward might even uh, bother some type threes out there. I so hope not, because um, as I mentioned, it, I, I hope that it feels like a coming home or a, a letting go of some sort to to hear these these words and and this song. Uh, uh, but I, <laughs> as as a, as a type that um, thrives in uh, kind of going above and beyond. Uh, I, I hope that the above and beyond that I went for this song was was in the lyrics and in the heart, uh, and and not necessarily in the uh, the the amount of layers or um, uh, kind of intense production. So I had fun kind of nodding to uh, the the number three uh, throughout several different um, decisions that I made in this song. As I mentioned, there are three verses. Uh, there are also three instrumental sections of the song. Uh, and, and for that, I, I kind of imagined um, these little brief solo moments, like uh, kind of passing on the spotlight, uh, which is which is what a, a healthy uh, perspective for a three looks like. Uh, so these little... Um, breathing moments of instrumental pieces. Uh, one of them features the amazing violin uh, from Jessica Hui. Another features the, the beautiful vocals from Katie Herzig. And I'll, I'll actually pull those uh, layers apart in just a little bit as well. Um, but I like the idea of kind of passing on the spotlight in, in those moments. But there are three of them. And then uh, I tried to make the song the length uh, three minutes and 33 seconds, but that totally didn't work out. I, I had to serve the song over that kind of silly concept. So uh, it, it does clear four minutes. And there are several lyrics that I intentionally repeated three times. Uh, one of them being, maybe I've done enough. Maybe and then the, the other one being, I, I finally see myself. And I just like the idea of those those repeated lyrics kind of serving as the, the mantra of the song. Uh, and so I wrote lyrics that, that felt like uh, something that would be a healthy thing for uh, a three to repeat in their in their minds. I'll rewind a little bit. Um, so the opening lyric is maybe I've done enough. And that lyric was inspired by Chris Hewart's. Uh, at the beginning of writing each of these these Enneagram songs, one of my favorite practices uh, is to give Chris a call and and just say, okay, so pretend like I don't know anything about this type and uh, give me give me a small overview of uh, what, what does a three look like? And um, kind of similar to what he does on this podcast. And uh, every single time, um, even though I've been reading and learning and he's already taught me, uh, about each of the nine types over the, the past many, many years. Uh, it, it's such a helpful practice for me to sort of start at the beginning. And um, one thing that he said in the conversation about threes was that they just, they need to know that they've done enough. And I loved that idea. And uh, I feel like that's a, it's something that I feel like every person needs to hear, but also um, particularly the three. So when I began writing the lyrics, I knew that that had to uh, somehow be included. So that lyric is a reference to uh, to that really helpful conversation that I had with Chris. Uh, and and I think, again, uh, I've mentioned before, but I want this song to feel like a letting go for the three. And so the more I learn about each of the nine Enneagram types, the more I realize that the integrated version of each types are really nine different versions of letting go. And so for the three, I think that that looks like letting go of their, their need to achieve. And again, finally coming to the place of recognizing their value is is completely outside of, of their success and their achievements and the feedback of others. So I asked Chris if he wouldn't mind sharing a little bit more detail and insight into uh, that aspect of the three. 
So look, folks who are dominant in type three know in their essence that they are truly loved, even if they they, they doubt that or second guess that or, or, or don't feel like they experience it. The, 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 the thing that should also elicit tremendous compassion from the rest of us though, is, is, is folks who are dominant type three live out of the pain of the disconnect of their hearts. And in that, they find themselves constantly questioning this fragile line between love and recognition. Um, they lose themselves sometimes in the attention that they receive for, for the things that they're amazing at, the, the ways that they succeed. Um, and, and when they don't know that their value is truly derived from who they are, they get lost in these searches and these journeys of validation um, that, that really are, are motivated by this failure avoidance fear. And that just, that's misguided. That only upsets their 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 ability to once again experience being loved for the real reasons that we offer them love. So beautifully said. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, so shame is, is kind of the arch nemesis of the type three, as I've learned. And I wanted to somehow acknowledge that in the song um, without it being about that. Because as I said, I want this song to be uh, a story of redemption for, for the type three. And um, and the last thing I want to do is is evoke shame in in this song uh, for for any type threes out there or anyone that listens to this song. So the lyric that I was able to kind of weave uh, weave that idea into uh, is this one. And I finally see myself on a bridge in overwhelmed. A mess of a story I'm ashamed to tell. But I'm slowly learning how to break this spell. And as a side note, um, uh, you'll notice there's a little bit of a, a writing theme in, in those words. And that is a, just a really subtle personal nod to my wife, who is this absolutely amazing writer. And so um, I knew that I wanted to work in some of the, the language of writing into this song. Also, as a as an even more um, subtle nod, uh, the song is in the key of C, and my wife's name is Kate with a C. So <laughs> that's why I chose that key. So the lyric, I finally see myself. Uh, the more I read about the Enneagram Type 3 and talked to Chris, and uh, I believe he mentioned a little bit of it as well here, um, uh, there's there's this deep desire to be seen uh, in the three. And I, I wanted to I wanted to somehow reframe that in the song as the as the story of redemption so that um uh, the character in the song is finally seeing themselves and uh and, and we talked a little bit about this in the episode for my type 1 song and my type 2 song and each song is written from the perspective of the type uh but if you if you look a little deeper it sounds like it's being sung to to somebody else but it's actually being sung to themselves as well so and uh, as i mentioned before the type 1 uh was sung from the perspective of a one singing to their own inner critic and uh the type 2 is a story uh about a type 2 doing what they do best and, and helping another uh, when you can also hear it from the perspective of uh, the type two finally coming to the place of uh, caring for themselves in the same way that they so freely care for and love others. 
Uh, and just like those songs, uh, this type three song is written from the perspective of a type three, of course, but it can also be heard as sort of a, a letter to themselves, uh, kind of reminding them um, that they are worthy of love. And if I said, if they if they ache to, to feel seen, uh, this, this is them sort of uh, finally seeing themselves as the lyrics state, uh, and it's them finally being in touch and uh, connecting with, uh, with their heart. So anyway, it's been really fun to try to um, imagine the different angles in which these songs can be heard. So I'm, I'm continuing that thread through, uh, through each of these, uh, these three current Enya songs. <laughs> so the, the caricature of the type three is definitely in the need to succeed and, the, and to be the very best and to, uh, to take home the, you know, the, the number one prize. Uh, and as I hope you have gathered uh, at this point uh, from hearing the song and from, uh, from hearing Chris speak about it, uh, that, that has hardly anything to do with the type and the incredible people that, um, that make up the type threes. Uh, but as I did in the, in the first few songs, I think it's really fun to kind of nod to the caricatures of each type. And uh, though the songs themselves have nothing to do with, uh, with that and hopefully are, are so much more honoring than the caricature, uh, it is, it is <laughs> fun to to uh, kind of secretly nod to uh, the traits of uh, each of these types. And usually how I've been doing that is in the the musical choices or in the production or um, something along those lines. Uh, but for, for the type three, that didn't, that didn't really feel right. I didn't want to take anything away from the authenticity of uh, deciding to record live and to make it really, really simple and, um, and bare bones. So um, I decided that it would be a fun challenge to work in the words gold, silver, and bronze uh, throughout the, the song somehow. So I kind of scattered it out, set out to, uh, to include one of those words per verse. And since there are three verses, um, the first verse got gold. Your golden the second verse got silver. On the silver and of course, the third got bronze. bronze hold no not only do I like the way that layers uh, first and second and third place, but I also thought that that was a fun way to kind of nod to the caricature. Um, but I will say that the word bronze is definitely the hardest word to incorporate into a song without it feeling totally forced. Uh, and the only way I was able to do it is uh, by actually in that verse saying gold, silver, and bronze uh, in sequence. Gold, silver, bronze, hold no value. <laughs> so that it makes makes some sense of it. So my my subtle nod became probably not very subtle, um, but hopefully it serves the it serves the heart of the story. And uh, um, but it was a it was a fun challenge, and uh, I saw it as a as an achievement to unlock. So as a total side note, um, every type integrates and disintegrates uh, according to uh, their their level of health uh, within their type. So uh, what that means is if you look at the, the Enneagram symbol, uh, which is a, a scary cultish looking symbol, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's actually a really helpful tool in kind of understanding the integration and disintegration patterns. Um, so uh, what I mean by that is like, a, for example, a type three integrates to a type six, which means that it borrows some of the the more positive traits of the type six, uh, but the type three disintegrates to um, a type nine, and, and disintegration is is just a referencing like an, an unhealthy version of yourself. So what happens is you sort of take on some of the the more negative traits of uh, of that that type that you disintegrate to. So I, I think Chris refers to them as sort of warning signs, and uh, uh, which which are helpful. So um, as I mentioned at the at the top. 
top of this podcast, I am married to a type three and I happen to be a type nine. So my wife actually disintegrates to a nine. And even though that is kind of funny and um, kind of a bummer, it's actually been like the most helpful language ever because um, similar to uh, she disintegrates to my type, I actually integrate to a three. So when I'm at my very best, I get a lot of stuff done and I sort of borrow some of the achievement uh, and the, the drive of the three. And so uh, that's actually been like an incredibly helpful piece of information in our marriage to just understand um, where we're at. Uh, and uh, when I am thriving, I, uh, I, I'm thinking about the future, I'm planning ahead, which is not necessarily my default state. And um, when my wife is uh, a little bit more indecisive or um, a little bit more passive, uh, that's actually not great. So it's, it's been really helpful to just have a, a vocabulary for that. Uh, especially because I think if we're honest, uh, most people want their significant other to be <laughs> a little bit more like themselves. And I'm sure that speaks to the the, the self-centeredness of all of us. But uh, knowing this, that it may not actually be a healthy thing for, for your for your partner to to behave more like you uh, is is incredibly insightful. So you may also notice that the, there's quite a bit of melancholy that runs through this song, which which might feel a little bit unusual since the the type three is sort of known for this this driven and um, sometimes upbeat personality. Um, but the more I thought about it, the, the pressure that is underneath that um, that need to succeed and uh, the pressure that it, that it is to just be an incredible achiever, uh, I think leaves the heart feeling a little bit lonely and a little bit tired. And so um, I wanted to lean into that with the with the general mood and direction of of the song so let's talk about the violins. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, the violins were played by Jessica Hui, and um, she is such a lovely human being. I've had the privilege of recording with her and her sister, Joanna, uh, several times over the course of these last few years, and we've gotten to play shows together, and um, she's just a wonderful soul. And so when I found out that she was a type three, uh, in accordance to my, my guest spot rule, uh, anybody that plays on each of these songs has to identify as that type. So uh, well, anyway, when I when I heard that Jessica was a three, I got so excited because it felt like the perfect fit for uh, for this song. And so I had her come over to the studio, and uh, I don't think she even got to hear the song in advance. Um, she was kind enough to let me boss her around and and uh, ask her to play, uh, you know, a handful of different ideas that I had. And I kept explaining it like I wanted I wanted the the strings to to be like a floral arrangement instead of a, a, a string arrangement. I wanted them to kind of sound like flowers, which is totally ridiculous. I understand that, um, but it actually kind of explained the direction that I wanted to go because I wanted the I wanted the strings to kind of um, almost like blossom and then kind of go away. So uh, you don't really hear strings as, as chords really playing several different sections and uh, flowing with the song. You sort of hear uh, these moments, these clusters of strings kind of come in and out. And, and, and I thought that was really interesting because if this song is all about restraint and all about authenticity, I almost like the idea that um, the, the character in the song is, is uh, uh, can't help themselves. So these strings are almost like the, the overflow of, uh, of their drive and... Uh, uh, so yeah, so Jessica was <laughs> kind enough to uh, to listen to those very odd uh, descriptions as uh, as she was taking my notes on uh, on playing these different parts that I I just so loved how she performed them and uh, uh, she somehow made sense of my my silly description. 
And in each of these string ideas, I wanted them to really play off of the lyrics. So uh, on the lyrics, uh, you'll notice there's some pizzicato strings that sort of play like the, almost like the, they're the tick-tock of a clock. Um, so I, when I sing the words for the first time. For the first time I'll see an it also reminds me of uh, of that TikTok moment in Frozen, which is, of course, a nod to the movie I have now seen a gazillion times, thanks to my three-year-old daughter and now my one-year-old daughter, who's apparently also obsessed. They can't even can't even help themselves. <laughs> and then again, you'll hear uh, when I sing the words "a mess of a story," the strings sort of slide down; they almost uh, like fall apart. They're almost wilting. A mess of a story. I'm ashamed. And so here are the strings soloed out in that moment. So a massive thank you to Jessica for uh, these incredible performances and uh, for being a part of my, my floral arrangement. <laughs> and so I, I carried this floral arrangement metaphor uh, even further because uh, apparently embarrassing myself in front of one friend was not enough. <laughs> so I, I used the same analogy, the same uh, instruction for, for my friend Katie Herzig, who was uh, sweet enough to lend me her voice for this song and who also, uh, again, happens to identify as a type three. Um, I, I basically said I'm looking for these little tiny vocal clusters that are kind of doing a similar thing to, uh, to the strings. And uh, as I described them, I wanted them to sound like flowers. So uh, she, uh, again, totally humored me and, um, and, and sent back these incredible, incredible vocals of hers. If you haven't heard of Katie's music, please go listen. It's, it's so gorgeous. I think you will so enjoy it. Here are some of the recordings that, um, that Katie was, was kind enough to send my way. So huge thanks to Katie for, uh, for adding some more flowers to my song. <laughs> and I'm going to let Chris explain in greater detail, um, but the, the threes so value authenticity that I knew that the, the lyrics needed to somehow highlight that wherever possible. Uh, and, and this is actually, learning this is what kind of led me away from one of my an initial concepts for, for the song, which was to, um, in addition to making it as grand and grandiose as possible, as I mentioned, um, I, I also thought it'd be kind of fun or interesting to uh, to have each, each section of the song sort of take on a, a new genre or take on a new um, uh, style or production style uh, to kind of nod to the, uh, I guess, the caricature of, of masks that the threes can uh, kind of switch masks and and show up for for people in the ways that people need them to show up. But that that felt unfair. Uh, so you, as much as I creatively liked the idea of it, um, it felt unfair to the type if, as uh, as this character in the song is is evolving into this uh, this real and authentic uh, person that is finally embracing everything that they are. Uh, it felt wrong to go in that direction. So uh, instead, I decided to sort of point in in, in retrospect uh, to all these different concepts of, um, like, for example, the, the lyric, it's so exhausting on the silver screen where I play the role of anyone but me. So I decided that it was more more true to the to the type to um, to reference that in retrospect rather than um, to poke fun at it in uh, in changing genres or uh, any of those types of things in the, in the music. But let, let's hear a little bit more from Chris on um, on on the the fixations and the passions of uh, of the type three. So every enneagram type um, has a traditional passion and a traditional fixation. 
And the passion is how our hearts sort of cope with the pain of our disconnect from essence. And the fixation is how our minds convince our heart that that coping technique is legitimate. Now, the essence of the three is actually that they are a source of authentic value, that they actually are a source of hope, that they they see what can become and, and they drive all of us to that. And and look, we'll, we'll follow you. If you're dominant type three, we want to follow you because your your, your vision and your clarity of authenticity um, is hope filled. And we need that hope, especially in, in, in the time that we're living in. We if we lose sight of hope, we've we've lost everything. And, and so you connecting and reconnecting with that just helps us all become whole. We just need to see that in your wholeness. Now, in your disconnect, if you're dominant type three from your wholeness, they say that the passion is deceit. And, and, I, and, I, and I think this is really hard language for threes to hear. Because if authenticity is, is such a value to the three, then anything that seems deceitful is just an it becomes shameful for threes. And and so let's let's not think of the passion of the three as deceit as in the threes are are liars. Look, we're we all are prone to exaggeration. Um all nine types lie in nine different ways. The deceit of the three is that you can play a role to sort of get done what needs to be accomplished. And and you do this in your your personal life, you do this in your intimate relationships, you do this in your professional life, you do this in your community. And and in fact when you're you're doing this out of love, it, it's not deceitful. It's your social gift. The problem is 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 this deceit, and and sometimes it's referred to as sort of this chameleon esque ability to play whatever role needs to be played to assume whatever personality or vibe that 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 needs to sort of be embodied to be accepted becomes so convincing that the fixation in the mind of the three is vanity, and the vanity isn't look how beautiful I am. It's I actually believe the role that I'm playing because it's so convincing I've convinced myself. And what's painful about that for so many threes is they get lost. They get lost in the role that they play. They get lost in their social gift, their social value, because it is convincing. And when they come to believe it, we believe it. So for the three to unwind out of that passion fixation loop, out of these aches to reconnect with their essences is really just to, to rest in their own authenticity, to hope that actually the, the value that they know that is deep in their own heart is truth, is full of integrity, and, and it is their, their gift that they have to bring forward into the world because this is, this is your essence if you're dominant in type three. And Chris, I know you've mentioned this before to me, but um, uh, you, you've, you've sort of de- described the three as having like this uh, this radar for inauthenticity. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, I did nod to uh, to this idea in in, in in some of the lyrics, which is um, I only want what's real. Uh, but I would love to hear kind of your your um, perspective on uh, on what that is. What what is this radar that the that the three possess? For sure. The, the three can sort of sniff out if inauthenticity faster than, than anyone. And, and, and it's really, it's really one of, again, they're, they're sort of innate inherent gifts that like they see truth. They, 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 their, their ability to, to look through the clutter and to see the value almost everywhere except inside themselves allows for them to have that that highly attuned and highly developed sense of, of discernment. So really, yeah, to have a, a three 
on your team to have a three in your life, um, you can trust them if you're unsure about something or if you need sort of another set of eyes to sort of try to figure out like what's really going on here. They're, they're incredible at it. Now I only want words for you To let my heart feel what it feels So folks who are dominant type three, they, they recognize their own capacity to be a source of truth and they have this innate ability to sniff out those who would misrepresent themselves, live behind exaggerations, or, or be untrustworthy. And the deceit of the three is really expressed in their ability to pivot or flex and assume any role, position, or opinion required to accomplish what it is that they want seen achieved um, for, for those that they love. And so really, you, you can trust them in that. That is so good. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. And in your book, uh, The Sacred Enneagram, you, you talk a bit about prayer postures and how they align with the, the different intelligence centers. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that and how that uh, correlates to the type three? So for, for folks who are dominant type three, I, I, I usually encourage them to, to engage solitude as a way of, of supporting their mindfulness practice, their, their meditation practice, their, their inner work. If that's if that's yoga, if if that's um, intentional breathing, but but specifically that engaging the solitude is what helps threes not withdraw and zone out, not isolate, but but show up. And 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 when you can sort of enter that solitude where you see yourself first, so that you can be seen, you see yourself first, so that you can see others. You see yourself for your goodness, your love, your beauty, and you don't need to be externally validated. That's where really your your, your inner peace comes forward. But the problem and, and, and sometimes the challenge for folks who are dominant type three is, is when you enter solitude, it, it, it is that that coping of withdrawal. And, and so the nuance here is important. The nuance of, of, of engaging solitude for somebody who's dominant type three is learning to love yourself so that you can love learning to see yourself so that you can see, learning to, to, to be at peace with, with your giftedness, um, your, 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 your real worth, so that as you ascribe that worth to others, it's not a hustle, it's not a manipulation, it's not, um, it's not deceptive, but that the authenticity is the authenticity you, you find within. And I finally see myself Posture of solitude. I, I've seen firsthand how how effective and helpful it is for my wife to uh, to to take moments to um, to just be alone with her thoughts and to um, to write and to process in solitude. And and it's just a really practical step forward in um, in uh, recalibrating the the Enneagram Type Three heart. And, and so that posture of solitude was it was hugely helpful in uh, the story arc of this song. So you'll notice that there are several lyrics throughout that sort of point to that. Um, I only want what's real. I finally see myself. Uh, maybe I've done enough. 
for the first time, I see an image of my brokenness utterly worthy of love. It's almost like this mirror being constantly held up to the three uh, throughout the whole song, which, uh, which should hopefully remind them that they are completely worthy uh, with or without their uh, gift at being able to, to win the hearts of the people around them and uh, to just accomplish so darn much. And the other way that I wanted to point to this posture of silence was in the the music itself. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned many of the other reasons as to why I chose a more vulnerable and intimate uh, direction for this song, but uh, key among those reasons was the the posture of, of solitude. Uh, so I, I just love the concept of this entire song being built on the foundation of one performer. So you hear the piano and vocal, and you get this immediate image of just one performer, which just felt right not only for the um, the posture of solitude but it also felt right for the the type three and and so um i like the idea of it kind of switching between solitude and social throughout the the progression of the song so you'll hear each of the verses are primarily built on the foundation of that one performer the piano and vocal and then um the instrumental moments in between are where my friend jessica played violin and my friend katie sung the background bits um and so uh, and then in this third instrumental part right before the the very last verse uh, is where i incorporated all of the fingerprints of this song and um if you if you're not familiar with this uh, this idea of fingerprints um it is becoming my absolute favorite part of this whole enneagram project and so what i mean by fingerprints is is um, at the beginning of this project, I invited my my nearest and dearest, my friends and family, um, to send in a uh, an audio recording of literally anything. It could be of the. Uh, the sound of their workplace, the the sound of wherever they happen to be sitting, just a little field recording that is recorded on the iPhone typically and um, is sent over and I'm able to kind of weave these uh, these little fingerprints into the fabric of, of the songs that represent the the types of my friends and family. So um, I did that with, uh, with the song one and with the song two and detailed those. So let's go ahead and, and detail uh, my type three friends. So this first sound is going to be from none other than my absolutely amazing wife, Kate. Uh, she uh, recorded this uh, the, this song that she was this little nursery rhyme that she was singing with our, our two girls, and I just love it. I can I can listen to this over and over and over. Obviously, these are my favorite people in the universe, um, but I, I'm so honored that uh, I got to include this little sound. And as a little side note, um, my, my wife, as I mentioned, she's an incredible writer. So I, I knew that I wanted to have her comb through and make sure that the grammar and the punctuation and all of that was correct and true. So you have a, you have the editing eye of a, of a three on, uh, on the lyrics of this song, which I thought was appropriate. And the next sound is from my wonderful friend, Darren Whitehead, who, uh, who recently wrote a book called Holy Roar. And uh, this is the sound of him in his writing space, uh, typing away on his computer. So I thought that was the, the perfect three sound. And the next sound is from my dear friend, Justin Ahrens, who is the, the founder of Rule 29 and um, a, a team of creatives that I've done quite a bit of work with. And uh, he sent, uh, of course, in overachiever fashion, uh, sent multiple sounds. But these are the two that I, I am using for, uh, for uh, in the backdrop of this song. So the first is an airplane landing. And the next is the engine of a car. Uh, so both modes of transportation, as Justin does quite a bit of traveling. And uh, so I, I thought these were amazing sounds as well. 
and carrying on that theme of travel, uh, this is my my friend and neighbor Monica Wallace, who was kind enough to send the sound of her uh, her train ride into the city. And the next sound is from my friend Mike Arnold, who happens to be married to Monica. So they are uh, basically a power couple, two threes in, <laughs> in one marriage. So clearly they get a lot done. Uh, but here is a small sound from his work in, in court. All right. And this next sound is from my friend Josh Radner, who uh, is an incredible actor, musician, um, and just a great guy. So here's, a, here's a, a little iPhone recording of a quote that he liked. The glory of God is the human being fully alive. And then I took that recording and stretched it out uh, times 33. And here's a sound from my, my brother-in-law, Tim Belson, who, uh, who works in court as well. And uh, so here is the sound of the gavel. And then we have my dear friend, Mike McDonald, who uh, also an overachiever, <laughs> sent in two sounds. And uh, I thought these were such great sounds. So he's a, an incredible photographer. So here's a camera click of a Leica camera. And then here is the wind tunnel, um, the, the kind of the, the, the tunnel at a bank that, that sends through the, the little pod for, for your money. So <laughs> I thought that was, a, that was a really clever idea as well. And here is a sound from my, my dear friend, Tim Schur, who uh, he and his wife just had a baby. So huge congratulations to them. And uh, he actually sent this sound in while they were in the hospital um, after the baby had been born. So he was doing what a, what a three would do in a situation of, uh, of waiting and was being productive. So he was going around the hospital room, cleaning things up while, uh, while they were waiting to, uh, to head home. And this next sound is from my friend Jason Russell, and this one's awesome. So Jason is able to tap dance, so decided to to throw on some tap dance shoes, and I think he was in a hotel at the at the time of recording this, and decided to to record a little a little tap dance solo in uh, in the bathtub of the hotel. <laughs> And then the sound is from my friend Jessica Hui, who I mentioned um, played violins on this song. She also sent in a fingerprint sound. And so to go along with the with the, the floral arrangement strings that I talked about, um, here is her watering some plants in her uh, in her home. And so here are two sounds from my friend Brian Canlis. Um, it was so funny. He uh, he responded a, a, about a month or two after I had sent the initial invitation to my friends and family to to send in these audio sounds. And he uh, he sent this wonderful email, uh, basically explaining that it's been stressing him out so much that he hasn't responded yet. And uh, the reason was he just couldn't think of a sound that he was proud of, and which is of course the perfect three response. So with his permission, I said, "Is it possible to take a little snippet of his email and turn it into Morse code?" And so uh, this is Morse code pitched uh, to the key of the song. And uh, what it says is, this is what I have to offer, a merely good but wonderfully freeing response. <laughs> so I thought that was great. And then actually, uh, additionally, he sent in uh, the sound of uh, a cheering uh, that was at a meeting at his restaurant in, uh, in Seattle. So I, I thought these were both amazing sounds. This is Brian Canlis recording live. About to start the staff meeting. I am a number three. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Friday night. <laughs> Come on, that that is so good. <laughs> Thank you so much to Brian. I love having these uh, these incredible sounds as part of this song. 
And the next sound is from my friend who's an amazing author in New York. His name is Jonathan Merritt, and he did not know what to record, so he sent this, and I love it. Um, um. And as a side note, I thought that was a pretty integrated three thing to do because uh, obviously as an incredible writer, he, uh, he chose to, to not put forward the, the, you know, the, a quote of his best writing or, or something like that. He, (laughs) he sent just the word, um, I thought that's amazing. And lastly, but certainly not leastly is my dear friend, Gabe Lyons, who, uh, who sent this beautiful recording of birds um and i just i just love this and it felt like the perfect uh the perfect fit for uh for this song i've actually listened to that sound on loop several times because when i close my eyes it it brings me to like a, a very specific spring day and place and uh and i love it such a good sound so thank you so much to all of my friends and family for for lending me these these beautiful fingerprint sounds. So in in the Enneagram Type One song and the Enneagram Type Two song, the fingerprints were sort of spread out throughout the song. But um, I figured since uh, since the Type Three, uh, I didn't want anybody to feel like they had a better or worse position in the song. So I decided that um, in the in the third instrumental break, which happens right before the final verse, uh, all of the fingerprint sounds should kind of come in at the exact same time and uh, so I really really liked uh, how all of this sounds together so I'll show you guys which you can you can hear it in the texture of the song but of course it's all woven into uh, kind of the backdrop and uh, in, into the fabric as I say uh, in this song so it's they're very atmospheric but um, uh, I wanted you guys to hear it all soloed all at once because it sounds just really cool um 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 So I think that's about it. Um, that's how this song came together, and I'm really honored to have had the chance to kind of walk you through it. And so, if you identify as a Enneagram Type Three, I, I so hope that this song is is worthy of you, and uh, I so hope that in in the words and in the in the uh, the ideas here that you feel honored and and uh, hopefully well represented. Uh, and, and so, before we wrap everything up, um, I wanted to have Chris uh, give just some words of encouragement to uh, to any Enneagram Type Threes that might be listening. All right. So, if you're dominant in Type Three. Um you know, first of all, I I just sort of say, be careful not to, to withdraw in, into the emptiness of your own heart or, or the isolation of your own heart. Um, be careful not to zone out because that just fuels that the isolation. And, and look, it's understandable. Um, you are driven. You are ambitious. Um, you cannot help but succeed in whatever you do. And, and as great as that is, we, we also have to understand that can be the source of your loneliness and the source of you feeling misunderstood. So when you have that tendency to withdraw, um, be honest with someone who you trust and, and, and let them pull you and the truth of who you are out of that, out of that sort of that pain, that ache. I'd also say that um, because folks who are dominant type three are so failure adverse because they, they, they really don't want to do things that they're bad at, that you should actually find something to do that can be fun and especially find something to do that you're not going to be good at so that you can find the humor in it so that you can learn to laugh at yourself, that you can have fun being a human just like the rest of us. And, and, and essential, you'll sort of find this as, as a vacation from all this 
this pressure you put on yourself, all this, this, these unrealistic standards that you've set for yourself. So find something that you're bad at, learn to laugh at yourself and, 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 and give yourself to something that can sort of take you away from, from everything else that, that drives you. Accept unmerited or unearned expressions of affection or attention. And don't make it hard for us to give it to you. The, the, the ways that we want to see you, the ways that, that we want to acknowledge you, and the ways that we do that in, in, in the areas of your truthfulness and authenticity that you haven't sort of had to strive for will really lead to sort of the freeing and, and the unleashing of your heart and will really help you connect to your heart. So, so accept it. Learn to, to say thank you when, when we offer affection or attention to, to things that actually have nothing to do with what it is that you're doing. Let yourself know that you've done enough, that actually you've done more than, than most people will ever do, that, that your, your, your drive is, is, is on one hand your gift and on the other hand your demise. And, and so learn to just let go and rest. Like you've, you've accomplished enough and you've done enough. And actually you've, you've probably done it better than, than the rest of us ever could as well. If you're dominant type three, you really, really, really need to learn how to connect with your heart. Um, this is how you're going to see the world and experience the world is, is through your heart. But for a lot of folks who are dominant type three, this, this seems very foreign. And, and this is because the subtle ways that emotions disguise themselves is, is why so many of us, including folks who are dominant type three, find discernment and, and connection so hard. But it's when you learn to listen to the intelligence hidden in the rawness of your feelings and your emotions that you will find the true way forward. And for you, the true way forward is connecting inwardly and being able to be at peace inwardly in that solitude. And so how folks who are dominant type three nurture their inner life is by withdrawing into their hearts to recognize how golden their heart truly is, how truly valuable you are without having to receive that externally, without having to prove that to us, without having to earn that, but owning it, owning it that when you can connect with your inherent inner value, you will be more capable and influent of ascribing value to everything that you touch, everything that you do, and everything that, that you love. And especially those who you love, because we need that from you. And that's really the hope that we all put on you, is you're connecting with the hope and the truth that, that you're enough. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Chris. I, I can't thank you enough for uh, the time that you are spending with us and uh, just the insight that you are giving me personally and, and sharing with the folks listening. Uh, it means means the world to me. And, and now that you guys have heard the, the song pulled apart and the, kind of the intention behind everything, uh, let's listen to the song from front to back. And then uh, I will I will wrap this wrap this thing up. Oh, it's how 
have done enough Finally catching up For the first time I see an image of My brokenness utterly thing I wanted to point out so that little tiny tail that just uh, ended the song uh, I thought that that was a that was an interesting way to kind of nod to uh, the, the the achiever f- never feels quite finished so even though the song probably should end uh, with the with the very short moment right before it um, I wanted to add like this uh, almost like revision like let me try one more time to end this song I 
All right. Well, well, thank you guys so, so much for listening. It, it seriously blows my mind that you guys would take the time to listen to me go on and on about um, all of these different parts of the song. So thank you. It, it honestly means the world to me. Uh, and, and it probably goes without saying, but this song is out everywhere music is. So Spotify, all that sort of stuff. There are links in the description. And um, I'm so looking forward to uh, to showing you guys what I'm what I'm working on in uh, in upcoming episodes for the Enneagram Type 4. Um, there probably will be an episode or two in between um, this one and the Type 4. But I'm so excited to just walk through the process of the things I'm working on. So I hope uh, hope wherever you are, you're having a really wonderful day and uh, um, I, we, we will speak soon. Thank you so much for listening.